Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. From economics to the woke agenda, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome to Unleashed with Mark Morano. I'm back at it here. Uh, for this week, I took off a day on Friday, and I had to go meet a nuclear physicist, uh, Calvin Kem, for lunch in Washington, D.C. Also had lunch with the CO2 Coalition. Greg Wrightstone has been a guest on the program. Uh, and several other uh, prominent climate skeptics, including uh, Paul Dreesen and Craig Rucker. Uh, and we had a great lunch. And uh, so I, I wanted to give you that update. I also... We also had a big snowstorm here in Washington, which is which brings me to our next topic. The guest today is going to be meteorologist Joe Bastardi. So you want to stay tuned uh, after the first commercial break. He'll be joining us for the rest of the program. Uh, and we're going to ask him about the Weather Channel and the media now saying the record cold and snow we're seeing is a consequence of climate change. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on that and what happened to the end of snow. We had a quite a, we had two back-to-back snowstorms here in the Washington, D.C. area. And kids' schools were closed for days in a row, so it was it was very cold. So not only did we get two snowstorms back to back, you know, it was probably five inches, six inches total between the two storms, but we had some serious cold down into almost zero, not quite below zero, but single digits for multiple nights in a row, and very cold, very windy, negative wind chills, below zero wind chills Fahrenheit here, uh, which was you know I kind of like it. I enjoy the. Uh, the weather like that. I did have to go out, you know, when you do have to go outside to smoke cigars uh, or my new hobby, pipe smoking, it's been kind of difficult because you got to you got to bundle up every every nerve. But we're going to ask Joe Bastardi about the latest on weaponizing the weather. And Bastardi is just the man to talk to about all of these things. The other thing, and I won't have it today, but I'm thinking I'll have a bunch of updates for you tomorrow. I mean, I can talk a little bit about it, but the Mark Stein uh michael mann climate scientist and mark stein the commentator trial is continuing apace in dc and i hope to get out there for some remote coverage and interviews for you guys here at tnt they had the opening arguments mark stein made his opening case and i can't play you what he said because the courtroom bans video and audio equipment however ann and fellow mcalear who are who did the gosnell film and have done a whole bunch of uh, movies, Mind Your Own Business, and um, and a bunch of other films on energy and environment. Uh, and I've been old friends of mine. They are doing with actors audio recreations of key of, of the whole court transcript, so you can hear it with. They have a British accent actor playing Mark Stein. They have someone playing Michael Mann. So I think I'll be able to play you some good clips rather than just read you dry transcripts. You'll be able to hear it with emotion as they address the court actors portraying the defendant and the plaintiff in real time. So it's amazing. So within a day or so, I'll be able to present these to you. I'll let you have little snippets on that. Okay. I have a bunch of updates on the Great Reset. But before we get to that, the Great Reset meeting, the Davos meeting uh, by the World Economic Forum last week in Davos, Switzerland. But first, I want to say I was on uh, Stuart Varney. I wanted to play a couple clips here. Uh, actually, this is uh, not Stuart Varney. This is uh, this is actually the bottom line show. And this was talking about this new CEO survey uh, of companies that are willing to you know, give up uh, some freedom and, and economic costs in order to fight climate change and some of the struggles they'll having with the climate agenda. So let's play clip one, me on Fox. I think it's self-explanatory. It's day one of the World Economic Forum. Yay! And the cult of climate is causing problems for business leaders. Worldwide, according to a new PwC survey, 45% of CEOs say they don't believe their businesses will be viable in a decade, in part thanks to the left's climate transition. 40% say they've accepted lower returns for climate-friendly investments because they're idiots. Here now, ClimateDepot.com executive editor Mark Morano is with us. Mark, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Um, do, do these business executives know something that we don't know or have they just bought into the lie because they go to the places like davos what's going on here 
Well, that's the thing. I think, I think there's a split. They're not all bad, but here's the bottom line. They have to do this climate transition. And as I've said, it's easier to transition your gender than climate. And these, these business owners know it. These CEOs know it. But they also know that every day we wake up and the federal government here in the United States and even in the EU, you wake up and they want to ban gas powered cars. They want to ban gas stoves. They even going after wood pizza ovens in New York City. They're, the Washington Post is even going after houseplants saying that. So they know there's no regulatory certainty, which any business would theoretically crave. They know anything can change on a whim, goals, changes, unelected bureaucrats. And so they're very down on their climate future. And 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 that's and as as Davos is meeting, they hear things like today. Al Gore actually said, if we meet these political targets of net zero, which are going to impact businesses, the temperature will stop going up almost immediately. He's saying in three years we'll be able to see an effect. So if businesses believe you can pass a tax or a regulation and stop the Earth's rotation or climate change or the Earth's temperature, that's pretty big regulatory uncertainty because because ideal ideologues at the World Economic Forum will in force those kind of regulations on businesses if they actually believe they can stop temperature uh, in three years or less. It's pretty scary stuff. Yes. I mean, this really truly is a game changer. Al Gore, with apparently the scientific acumen of Michael Mann behind him, making these claims that all we got to do is meet that's zero. And we can have instant uh, temperature effect immediate within three years. On a geologic time scale, that's not even immediate. That's like instant sauce. It's utter nonsense. And we're going to go deeper into that. And I'm going to present, I actually, last time I played you physicist, um, Dr. Dennis Rancourt talking about that. Okay. The next thing on this, the second clip of Fox, they asked me about these German farmers now. German farmers are joining the Netherlands farmers fighting against the net zero, the government regulations, all the things, the climate compliance costs going in to agricultural sector to make cheap food and plentiful food, a thing of the past. Clip two. Germany's finance minister faced the crowd and told them point blank, there's no more money for any further subsidies. Well, he better look out, Mark. Yeah, these were tax credits given to agriculture that had been there. Now, if you want to change your agricultural policy, you don't do it overnight and you don't do it for net zero climate policies. This is the greatest, probably the greatest economy, biggest economy in Europe. And they're watching themselves self. This is a, a controlled demolition of the German agricultural sector and their economy due to net zero. Now, we have a history here. We can look at what happened in Sri Lanka, total collapse of the country. The peasants overran the palace when they went to, they changed their agricultural policies in a hurry with the backing of Davos World Economic Forum. We saw what happened in the Netherlands. What happened in the Netherlands, very similar to what's happening in Germany. The farmers fought back. 10,000 plus small family farms were about to go be put out with the new net zero regulations. They formed their own political party in the Netherlands and now they're fighting back in the parliament. So let's see what these these farmers can do in Germany. The tractors are taking over the street. Let's hope they don't pull a Justin Trudeau and declare him domestic terrorists and cut off access to their banking. But you know, these these net zero ideologues will do just about anything. Bad policy versus the power of the people. It looks like at least in Germany, the people are winning. Mark Morano, it was a pleasure. Good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Now, that's what the farmers are up against. And keep in mind, John Kerry has announced in summer 2023 that the United States is next, that we have to, ag our agricultural sector, our farming and food, has to fall under the net zero commitments. They've been off the hook for too long. So it's not far stretch. And there's already talk of tractors descending on Washington and angry farmers once they start going even deeper, meddling, into U.S. agriculture. It's coming. Well, why is it coming? Well, this is now clip five. Klaus Schwab this past week in Davos at the World Economic Forum meeting in Switzerland apparently has appointed himself the Earth's trustee of the future. I'd like that position. Is, it, is that appointed? Can I, can I run for it? Is it like elected sheriff? How do you get it? Let's hear what Klaus Schwab has to say about the Earth's trustee of the future. As trustees, of the future, we are responsible for advancing a world which is richer in possibilities, more equitable in opportunities, and more secure in its foundations. Moreover, as leaders in government, business, and society, 
we bear a particular responsibility to rebuild trust in how we assume our own role as trustees. Do you realize the pressure? You wake up every day, you're like, oh, let's see, I got to get gas for the car. You know, I got to pay the tuition for my kid's school. I got to go grocery shopping. Oh, shit. I'm the trustee of the earth. I have a shitload of stuff to do. This is, they, these people want you to believe that this is their motivating uh, ideology, that they're just caring about the earth and they wake up every day and all oh, this burden is on their shoulders. And this is why they have to fly private jets. This is why they get, they're in the top 1% and they get to have all the global amenities because they're doing the important work. We're the worker bees. They're the queen bees, right? And they're the ones that have to be left alone. They just, all they need from us is our consent, tax dollars, and they don't want any interference. They don't want our. They don't want us to have free speech. They don't want us to own anything. And it goes on and on and on. But imagine that the load of bollocks, trustee of the future. Your Earth's trustees of the future in this room. Uh, and I actually, there's another. He said that recently. All of us in this room, we control the future. So it's not just the Earth's future. He's actually said that this is two or three years ago at a Davos meeting that Klaus Schwab said, we are control the future of the planet. I mean, the future, like we design our future in this room is what he said. Who's opposed to this? What forces does Klaus Schwab see as being opposed to him? Is it your average worker and around the world? Uh, let's take a look. This is clip six, Klaus Schwab on who he blames for thwarting the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset's progress. You have this anti-system movement. What we are seeing is a revolution against the system. So fixing the present system is not enough. Now there is, of course, a anti-system, which is called libertarianism, which means to tear down everything which creates some kind of influence of government into private lives. It's demantling the system. Uh, first of all, that's a great ad for the Libertarian Party to have Klaus Schwab denouncing it as such. It's not tearing down the system. It's trying to preserve the system. The forces he's talking about, conservatism, libertarianism, free market, uh, and free speech advocates and free private property rights, all of these forces are against monopolistic control and corporate government collusion as represented by the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab himself. So uh, yeah, I cannot imagine anything more of a better ad for the Libertarian Party than that. All right, we're going to go to clip seven. Klaus Schwab uh it's giving a little spin on, you know, he, he wants you to, he tells you that he tells people to eat insects, the World Economic Forum, I mean, episode after episode, they're also pushing the lab grown meat. Uh, and you'll own nothing and be happy. But Mr. Schwab will own it all. Clip seven. Because Klaus Schwab telling people to eat insects, but he also say at the end, you will own nothing and still be happy. But Mr. Klaus Schwab will own everything. So the story, he will never eat the insects. He will force the poor people to eat insects and fake foods and produce hyper, uh, hyper produced foods, you know, with a lot of um, chemicals inside. And or, yeah. and they force the, 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 the po yeah, poverty of, upon people will, will bring them to the fact that they have to buy this kind of food because they can't afford the rest. And uh, by, by breaking down family farms in the Netherlands, food security will be uh, at high stakes. So it is like uh, communism where they take from the they take from the poor people and only the rich people, the elite, they, they are the ones with all the power Well, actually, and it's, very, and... it's very painful to say, but the free and democratic country known all over the world that we have very free laws and very free people that travel yeah. everywhere and make agreements all over the world are now forced in some sort of pattern that we are, yeah, is your communism can, be, it sounds like communism. Uh, they Cli are climate, climate communism. Climate communism. <laughs> yes, and that was a Netherlands farmer reacting to all the policies which are being pushed to meet net zero. Remember, the Netherlands was going to be facing 10,000 plus small family run traditional farms wiped out 
until they formed a, a political party called the BBB, no, not Build Back Better, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but a farmers coalition political party, which now has a seat at the table in government. And they were able to stop these farm seizures and these insane regulations that were going after plentiful food, all in the name of climate change. Remember, they're going after two different things just for simplicity. They're going after the fertilizer, the nitrous nitrogen-based fertilizer, because they said nitrous oxide has to be regulated. So that's going to lower crop yields. And they're going after methane, which is not only going to be an industrial uh, byproduct, so just more regulations on the energy sector, but most importantly, the methane regulations are going to impact animal agriculture, meat eating, cows, pigs, sheep, etc. They're going to go after that to start restricting that. And why would they do that? Because they want us to eat bugs and they want us to eat lab-grown meat from a Petri dish and a steel vat printed on a 3D printer. The reason uh, they think that this is a good idea is if they make food more expensive, ration it, make it more scarce, do the same thing with meat as well as your regular crop yields, people will be conditioned and forced to try the insects, to try the lab-grown meat, which by the way, it's already been approved for human consumption in the US, chicken anyway, and that's coming. Okay, I got another clip. This, this was a Bravo one. This is the Heritage Foundation president, Kevin Roberts, was invited uh, and was able to actually get a some kind of platform. It's possible, I'm not 100% sure on this, we actually got was invited or he was able to go as some kind of NGO and they paid the fees. I don't know. But anyway, his message is, is you know almost equivalent to what Donald Trump did in, in 2017. He was, as a head of state, he was invited to World Economic Forum and he just laid waste to them, com compared them to modern day fortune tellers with the weather. But this is clip three, Heritage Foundation, the conservative think tank in Washington, their president, Kevin Roberts at the World Economic Forum in Davos. One thing that Davos, you might say, and the people come here stand up for is liberal democracy. It's laughable that you would, or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change. The solutions, the average person know, cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global South. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected by countries in Northern Europe. Wow. What a great speech, laying it all out, telling it like it is. I wasn't even aware of the Global South having the uh, transgender ideology imposed on them. That's truly uh, bonkers. All right, I got one final clip. Uh, British Chancellor Jeremy Hunt was at the World Economic Forum. And guess what they're moving on to? You know, again, it's going to be a merging of, of viruses and climate, but they're worrying about the next pandemic. So let's play clip four. Jeremy Hunt, British Chancellor. When we have the next pandemic, we don't want to have to wait a year before we get the vaccine. And if AI can shrink the time it takes to get that vaccine to, to a month, then that is a massive step forward for humanity. Do you understand what's happening here? Artificial intelligence, AI, they're, they're going to gin up another pandemic and they're going to use artificial intelligence to get a vaccine within a month, 30 days. In other words, I think it's a pretty safe bet that these new vaccines are already sitting in warehouses waiting to be forced mandated on the public globally. Uh, in other words, buy a little freedom, get a vaccine. And that's what they're talking about. They're ready, ready. And they're saying AI has made this possible. No, I think 
Uh, ideology has made it possible. Corporate greed has made it possible. Government tyranny has made it possible. Uh, and bypassing any traditional testing and safety protocols for so-called vaccines has made it possible, not AI. That's truly frightening. That was probably very disturbing. I mean, not only are they ginning up this disease X, which we talked about a little bit last week at the World Economic, at the World Health Organization, but now the WEF is already bragging that AI is going to have a vaccine available, a new vaccine within 30 days of any virus outbreak. Yeah. Are you going to take that shot after everything we know now? All right. <sighs> okay. It's, that's incredible. And I hope to have tomorrow some rebel news clips. Ezra Levant's organization, can a Canadian rebel news, did some great confrontations. They have the BlackRock vice president. They got um, John Kerry uh, in the streets of Davos. And John Kerry actually reacts. So we'll play some of that tomorrow. Anyway, coming up next, we have meteorologist Joe Bastardi of the Weather Bell and frequent CFAC contributor. And we're going to be talking about weaponizing the weather right after this. Stay tuned. This is Mark Morano on Unleashed on TNT. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts. Uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured, in the whole of the Second World War, and that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the Church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get Rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. All right, joining us now is meteorologist Joe Bastardi, author of The Weaponization of Weather in the Phony Climate War, with a foreword by actually Sean Hannity. Welcome to TNT, uh, Joe Bastardi. Joe. 
I like that. I like that coat you have on. Where'd you get that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> I forgot you with the black, the black Italian shirt, the overcoat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the carry-all shirt. This is my old Rush Limbaugh investigative journalist jacket when I used to use uh, the hat and trench coat to sneak into the old shows. I just thought I'd wear it as a as my uh, uh, my uh, cosplay, my motif here. I don't know my, my outfit. All right, Joe. We're we're long-time friends. I wanted to start out today. Uh, been cold here in the Washington area. We had a lot of snow. I wanted to show you this clip. We'll get this started. The Weather Channel has some explanation about how cold outbreaks are actually caused by global warming. Clay, clip eight, please. Joe, take a look at this and we'll get your reaction. When Arctic air invades the continental U.S., it's inevitable. You'll hear some variation of so much for global warming. But here's the deal. These extreme cold events may become more common in our climate change era. Let me explain. Supercharged cold air typically makes its escape from the Arctic when the polar vortex swings south. The polar vortex is kind of like a fence that's made up of wind that keeps cold air around the North Pole. But the North Pole is warming faster than anywhere else on Earth. And some research has shown that these big wobbles in the polar vortex are happening more frequently and possibly as a result of the warming in the Arctic caused by climate change, meaning the leash on that cold air goes slack and frigid air as far south as the Gulf of Mexico can result. But this is all also a matter of perspective. Our winters are becoming warmer and we are seeing less snowfall because of climate change. So when our winters are more mild, our extremes feel more extreme. So try to remember this as you grab a snowball and begrudge climate change, our planet is still warming, but that doesn't mean you won't still see extremes like the cold we're enjoying right now. All right. Well, like, does that sound? Is that all correct, or what? Do you have anything? Is well, that all, like, yeah. like so many things? There are elements of truth in any given propaganda yeah. campaign. I mean, that's uh, you know, there's no question about. It's very some good of the graphics. Things. I like the graphics. They're really well, well done. They're very, yeah. they're very, very good at that stuff. But the yeah. when she says climate change, no, she didn't say man-made climate change because um, it is true that more water vapor in the air is going to have a bigger effect where it's coldest and driest. We know that meteorologists understand that. So the Arctic is uh, warming faster than any other place, but it's only during the winter season. It's not doing it during the summer season, which shows you immediately it can't be carbon dioxide. It has to be water vapor because the relationship between water vapor is well known. The correlation, we call it saturation mixing ratios, is well known that tiny, tiny amounts of water vapor will increase the temperature where it's very cold. You could run the experiment uh, yourself uh, when you uh, on a on a ninety degree day. If you breathe, you don't see your uh, you don't see your breath. If it's thirty degrees, you'll see your breath, and that's because uh, that air, the condensation processes are quicker. So if there's more water vapor in the air, there's more cloudiness. If there's more cloudiness, it means there's more. Uh, warmth trapped. So <laughs> it's, uh, listen, this stuff has been going on. Uh, this climate 101 says that if the planet starts warming, it's going to start snowing more and you're going to start seeing cold outbreaks further south. My dad gave me a book when I was eight years old and he was down at AM. It's called Why the Weather. There was an entire chapter of climate change in there on what you're seeing now. In the 70s at Penn State, before Michael Mann got in there, it was taught the way I'm telling you now. But ever since this man-made global warming uh, situation has started, truth be damned. And uh, I mean, I feel that the reason this is happening is because there's been a marked increase in geothermal spreading and uh, underwater volcanic activity over the last 30 years. So you've got thousands, maybe millions of vents that are putting uh, putting streams of magma into the uh, under underneath the ocean at 2200 degrees what do you think is going to happen right so they again they have elements of truth but they don't go and they don't show the entire picture nor do they show that someone like me when when i saw that come out and the washington post did something on it and then of course 3 days ago the washington post went the opposite way it was so it's not as bad it's not as bad as it as it would have been and i simply pointed out that the 10 day period ending january 20th was the coldest outbreak into the united states in january the coldest time of the year since 1984 so but what happened was, off the top of my head, I had five or six examples of what you just saw. In fact, my company, Weatherbell, 
Uh, on December, well, we, we said from mid-January on, things were going to get bad. There was going to be a lot of blocking this year. December 12th, we told everybody that this was coming, more all our clients. So did you notice what happened to the price of natural gas, how it surged? And when it surged yeah. like that, it's because nobody saw it coming until it actually comes. Just like when you see what goes on in February, wait till, wait till you see what goes on February into early March, because it's all setting up again for that kind of thing. And uh, people, uh, you got to understand something, folks. These people do not use the weather unless they can weaponize it for a non-weather agenda. That is the bottom line. It is not and guys like me who have loved the weather since their first memory. We're, to, we're driven by a totally different set of uh, motives. I could care less what's, it, it, uh, you know, what's warming the planet. I have to deal with it in my forecast. And that's you the other I, thing. I, go, go on, Mark. I'm sorry. Well, I, think, your, I, I grew up. I grew up in the Washington area, Northern Virginia suburbs. I can tell you as a kid, I had a little weather station with the barometric pressure, these little kits you buy. But I know in 1979, we had a huge blizzard. Uh, right. I was uh, 11 years old. Yeah. And then That's 1983, right. we had a big one. And that was probably like That's 18 right. inches. In 87, are, we had like two, 87, we had two back to back big snowstorms. Then yep. nothing until March of 93, it was like March 11th or something. We had like 23 inches, huge storm and wet, heavy snow. Then in 90, oh, was it 96, we had the blizzard of 96, it was huge. And that was like a five day event. It just kept snowing and cloudy, cold, and we'd get a couple more inches, but we had a huge event. And then we had one like 2002 or three, another big one, 20 inches. And then 2010, we had a December snowstorm. And then I think one or two January snowstorms, oh, two, yeah, two, December, was December 2009. So, yeah. yeah. And then, of right. course, 2015 was the last one. So we're eight, nine. We're going on nine years now without a big snow event. And the last one was 2015. Well, what's the, what's what what causes? My question is, what causes that? What, how do they, they come in 79, 83, 87, 93? Five to 10 year gaps. They're all El Nino years, just like this year. You, you up the ante because you have a stronger southern jet. And I'd be surprised if you don't get a, a big one. Well, you've had two. Pretty good snowfalls, five, six inches in D.C. D.C. only averages 16.3 inches of snow a year. A lot of that occurs with blockbuster storms, 20, 25-inch storms, and then the years when there's two, three, four inches of snow. Yes. Remember, the, uh, the average is a product of the uh, extremes that go on. Let's also remember that in 2009, the December storm, a week later, the snow was wiped out. In 1996, within 10 days, and I remember it well because I was friends with Dave Schultz, uh, the the wrestler fox catcher and uh, he uh, John DuPont shot him on the 25th when he shot him there was no snow on the ground in Philadelphia because it all had got wiped out by a giant storm wow. a couple of days before so a lot of times these storms come and go the 70 the first of the uh, 78 storms uh, was on January 19th in DC it was gone the next week and uh, you notice uh, when these are occurring uh, January 16th and January 19th, this this is the time of the year. We said our weather bell for you can see this coming. And by the way, global warming for me is making it easier to see the weather patterns because if you understand uh, the, the forcing that takes on uh, that goes on, you will understand better when you see these hot spots show up and things like that, what the reaction is going to be. The model does it. You know what the model does? It washes it all out so it all looks warmer than normal then takes yeah. off and feeds back. Instead of a, look folks, the, the so-called global temperature, lousy metric, it's a third derivative metric. Wet bulb temperatures are better, saturation mixing ratios are even better, but they would explain the warming. So you would, you'll never catch these guys quantifying that because you could link the increase of water vapor right to the increase in sea surface temperatures. And then you'll be forced to answer the question, well, how does CO2 radiative feedback that only penetrates a millimeter of the ocean suddenly warm the ocean as much as it's yeah. done in the last 30 years? It can't do that, you see? So, and, and you hear me the way I'm talking, I could chain wrestle this subject back and forth. Uh, and you know what I'll do sometimes? I'll start from the result and show how it goes back to the origin. Not only, so it's like checking your work backwards, you know, A plus three equals 11, yes. 11 minus three equals eight. You could do that with this and it's just common sense. Well, when you hear like it was 1996, the lead UN scientists, um, 
came out in, in the New York Times and said that children won't know what snow is. He bought his daughter a sledge. She wasn't able to use it. 2000, uh, I think it was the year 2000, another UN scientist came out and announced as the end of snow. Snow was a thing of the past. And then you had even, I think it was uh, beginning like 2010, we have the snowiest decade, at least in the East Coast, was began 2010. You had Jonah right. Cohen, I believe, and Al Gore and others saying that, Judico saying that this, I think he was the one saying it, but I know Al Gore said it, that this record snowfall we were having, particularly on the East Coast, was due to global warming and that global warming actually can cause more snow, but at the same time, it can cause less snow. So which yeah, is it and how do they how do they actually make these claims? What are they well, basing that on? It's one of those things where both answers are technically <laughs> correct, because if there's yeah. more water vapor in the air, it's a little bit warmer, but it's still cold enough to snow. And so what they do is they don't they don't. Uh, frame it with the correct perspective. <laughs> That's what they do. They, it, it, it's amazing watching this go on and people accepting this. You know, I, 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 I respect Dr. Cohen and stuff, but I, he never really makes a forecast. I, I'm sorry, Judah, but, you, uh, you know, I watch your stuff. We'll have to wait and see. This is going on. A lot of these guys never make a forecast. They comment after the fact. That's very different from, a, a you know, I'm, I'm like a, you know, people go, well, where's your peer review? Well, I'm like a bare knuckles fighter. All right. I don't need to box by the rules, of uh, the Queensberry rules. I have to produce a forecast in the private sector that has more value than a free forecast. Right. And believe me, the National Weather Service is pretty darn good. All right. So I, I know what I have to do. And so it's a very, very different uh, situation when like myself and Joe DeLeo have been doing this professionally for 45 to 50 years. Uh, I actually started doing it in college. I had five radio stations in college. Uh, the reason why Dr. Myers uh, actually hired me at uh, AccuWeather was because in long range forecasting, he saw how good I was, even back, it was pretty darn good back then because it was a fascination. And my dad always taught me, it's not that hard a thing to do. And it's almost insulting to scientists that don't and, and, and across our society, no one, everybody wants to trash the past, tear down the past. You know why? They're narcissists. You know why? Because if you don't know what happened in the past, then you can look greater now. Oh, look what I discovered. There's nothing new under the sun. So what happened was my dad taught me, go back and look. We know what happened. Go back and look at all the weather patterns. And when you see a weather pattern that looks similar to what you saw, Chances are you're going to get a similar situation happen. Nothing, nothing get new, the yeah. But that takes a lot of dirty work, Mark. I mean, I got, I, I live on that uh, Weather Prediction Center site. We call that uh, freeze in Texas nine days in advance because the weather maps look like what I, they have weather maps back to 1899. And I can tell by the look of the surface pattern what the upper pattern must have looked like. It was a tremendous amount of blocking. That blocking, by the way, the stratospheric warming event for February 2021 started in January. We had all our clients, uh, you know, ready. I mean, I was finally the, the people in the Texas state government started picking up on it. But by that time, it was too late. And the same thing starts happening. So what well, we have to make a forecast beforehand, and that is a very different metric from commenting after the fact after. and then turning around blaming global warming, which is what people basically do. All right, we have to take a break. This is Unleashed with Mark Moreno. We're talking to meteorologist Joe Bastardi. We're going to talk a little bit more about weaponization of weather when we come back. I want to talk about the volcanic eruption, the hunga tunga, if I'm saying that correctly, and also yeah. tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and how they're all claiming the climate influence. We'll be right back after these on T messages on TNT. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. 
To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. From climate change to energy and environmental matters, you're listening to Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Unleashed on TNT with Mark Morano. All right, we're continuing our discussion with meteorologist Joe Bastardi, the author of The Weaponization of Weather and the Phony Climate War. Joe, tell us about uh, your views on the Hunga Tunga, if I'm saying that right, volcanic eruption, which put out plumes of water vapor. First of all, how unprecedented and how do you, what, what impact is that having on our short-term weather and will it have an impact on long-term climate? Well, it's probably directly responsible for a spike in temperature this year more than let's say uh, we do have an El Nino that is occurring and would spike the temperature anyway, but uh, putting all that water vapor in the air and the way it w warmed and where you see it warming most uh, the, is the direct thumbprint of extra water vapor and they're just using it. At using it for every single thing they could get their hands on. So it's, it's actually disgusting uh, how they're, they're not explaining that that amount of water vapor, you can directly link the amount of warming and where it's warming to that amount of water vapor. And listen, I've, I've been trying to say, and there are a lot of people on my side of the uh, global warming argument don't like me anymore because of all this underwater volcanic stuff that I'm looking at. And um, because let me, let me explain something. It does not matter to me what's warming the ocean. We just had an unprecedented warming go on off Australia to the east of Australia. Uh, you hear me on these TNT sound bites. You hear me talking about it. And nobody gives a damn. I can't believe it in my field that people are looking at it and say, wait a minute. This is an El Nino. The water's supposed to be cold there. How did it suddenly warm two degrees Celsius out of nowhere? Where did that come from? Is it the magic CO2 fairy? It just, I'd be <laughs> right over here. Or, uh, you know, and the solar scientists, they go, oh, the sun, the sun. I've been hearing for 15 years we're going into a new ice age. It's not happening until the sea surface temperatures start cooling, and they ain't cooling until we can figure out what the heck is warming it in the first place. Because it's, it, it's, it, it, if it's not what I'm saying, it can't be the sun. It has to be what they're saying, and I don't see how it can be what they're saying since when CO2 increase was introduced to the system in the 1940s and 50s, the sea surface temperatures essentially for 40 years did nothing until the increase in what we call geothermal spreading. And so guys like me and uh, Dr. Vitorito and I think, he, you know, Ian Pilmer, uh, you know, we're sort of outcasts now, or even Lord Moncton, oh, what the heck? And, you know, you talk to Lord Moncton, and he goes, well, what's causing the warming? I said, I got to get past the warming, the 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 uh, the underwater volcanic activity increase. I've got to deal with that in my job. You know, I, I'll tell you what happened in Australia. This El Nino, right, has been very different than most El Ninos. You know why? Because the water surrounding Australia is more like a La Nina. So when we look at the Southern Oscillation Index, which is uh, the, the difference between pressure in Darwin and Tahiti. There is an unprecedented rise toward what is basically a La Nina state in January in the middle of the El Nino. Hello, McFly, something's going on over here. And it, okay, we had an El Nino, right? 
Well, we had record low amounts of typhoons. How does that happen? It's supposed to be the opposite. So it, what gets me is there's no intellectual curiosity. I don't care if you're the Weather Channel or you know Washington Post. None of these people, they actually have extreme climate events. These are extreme events, right? And the, you know, a snowstorm in you know, New York City is not an extreme event. Even this Arctic outbreak compared to what I'm talking about as far as climate goes is not that extreme event. But what happens is you get these actual things. They don't want to talk about it because you, they know it's like San Jacinto. Okay. For those of you who understand the Battle of San Jacinto, where Sam Houston pulled the enemy into the battlefield he wanted, this is the battlefield I wanted because the unprecedented warming occurring like this proves it cannot be man made. It has to be some type of cumulative buildup of natural forcing, somehow or the other, that's causing all this. All right, what do you make of the claims the hottest year on record? I think NASA came out with that recently once again. Yes, and also CNN, C well, wait, CNN claimed that the day in August or I guess it was the day in July was the hottest in 125,000 years. Should we be alarmed? Is that accurate? <laughs> because of the way you measure, it wasn't, it wasn't among the weather stations on the planet. That's what I look at. The weather stations on yeah. the planet are averaging about a half degree above the 30-year mean. And look, if someone tells you it's hot or puts a red paint bomb on a map where it's in the 80s, you how do you not just suspect that? Is, let me ask you, the global temperature is approximately 58 degrees. Anybody want to go swimming at 58 degrees? I mean, I, I see surfers out there, but they usually have wetsuits on, right? Is that hot? So when they use toasty and hot and all this, and let me ask you another question. You're all alive. You're probably in better shape than you were two years ago, three years ago. How did you manage to survive this? Oh, my gosh, it's so it. very, very hot. And, uh, yeah, what I don't understand is how people don't look at basic facts. There are four times as many people on the planet as there were at the start of the fossil fuel era with 128 the amount of climate and weather disasters. So if it is warming, we're definitely adapting to it. And, you know, that's why uh, uh, Alex Epstein is like a treasure chest. He, yeah. What he basically does is, I don't care if it's warming or not, it's no big deal because you simply adapt to it and move on. And by the way, the Mal Maldives, I thought they were supposed to be under, they were supposed to go the way of snow. We weren't supposed to have any snow yeah. or any Maldives, and they're building new airports and all this other stuff out there. Yeah, in fact, I was Roger Pilkey Jr. had a uh, article about the landification, how land area is actually growing globally, which kind of goes opposite of the Al Gore narrative. How do you explain that? Uh, well, you have to ask Dr. Pilkey uh, how he explains. It's probably because of other large-scale forcings that are not being examined. You know, why would you if, if you've sunk thirty trillion dollars into uh, telling the world they got to get off fossil fuels? <laughs> why, in God's name? Pardon me, Lord, uh, you know, uh, but why would you, I shouldn't say that, never take God's name in vain, but why, yeah. why in Gore's name, would you, since he thinks he's God, why in Al Gore's <laughs> name would you want to look at anything that could possibly stop that? And that's, that's what's, that's what, and you want to know something, Mark, it's a, 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 you know how much I love you, and I love all the guys <laughs> on the clock, but let me ask you a question. If tomorrow the good Lord above appeared, and said, there is no, there is no uh, man-made climate change. Maybe a lot of people on our side and their side, what are they going to do? It's more devastating to their side since they're trying to push a socialist yeah. agenda. Okay, But me, it doesn't matter. I don't care if it was Louis Farrakhan and up in the mothership throwing dust onto the planet. I have to deal with the planet warming and the way it's warming. And when I do that every single day, I can see that man's thumbprint is minimal at least, and it's large-scale natural forcing. It's no different than if you go into a gym, squats, you, 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 want, you squat because that'll make you grow. You do leg extensions, look what you look like. You'll look like Bill Nye or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> nah, Bill, Bill, I, you know funny? I, like, I actually like him. He doesn't like me, but I actually like him. He's done a lot of good for science. All right. Well, uh, I, 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 quick, like I want to ask you about I want to ask you about Michael Mann, but I'll hold off on that to the final minute. But before we get there, there were you know hurricanes, tornadoes, as an example. 
are you seeing the fingerprint of human uh, CO2 emissions in any of these? Have they Not changed human. precipitously over your lifetime? What have you noticed? Well, the to tornadoes are decreasing because of the distortion. Listen, what happens, folks, is when you have a certain, uh, a certain type of upward motion pattern that's supposed to go on with a normal temperature distribution, cold in the north, warm in the south. Well, guess what happens when that gets distorted? When it gets a little bit warmer in the north than it should, you see what happens is not as much clash with tornado seasons. So overall, you know, most of the tornado seasons are less than normal now, less than the average amount. As far as hurricanes go, yeah, we get them to develop, uh, but they develop way out at sea and they stay away from the United States, except in certain cycles of the Madden-Julian Oscillation, which means you have to go track that constantly. And by the way, I'm already out because of this whole climate hypothesis I've developed, we said there'll be a, a strong, sharp El Nino, right? We predicted where we go to. It will collapse rapidly in the spring, and the hurricane season from hell is on the way next year, in my opinion. We've already got our numbers out, 25 to 30. We have 2005, 2017, 2020 all rolled into one for next year. Now, you say, well, how the heck are you saying that? Because I'm looking at the overall pattern and I'm understanding, giving the variables and the way I think the variables are going to turn, those very areas over the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico are going to light up this year. And I'll tell you what is a big, big problem. Overall, there's a lot less cloudiness in the Gulf and the Caribbean because of the distortion of temperature I was telling you about, Mark. And that means the water is naturally warmer. And I can explain how it got to 104 degrees off Florida. It's very easy to see why that was naturally forced and not man-made also, if you ever ask me about that. Okay, well, we only have about a minute left. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts since you were a Penn Stater, fellow Penn Stater. Michael Mann is suing Mark Stein. Oh, no, he's not a fellow Penn Stater. He didn't go to Penn State. He got his- Well, he, he worked there. You're right. You went there and he worked there. So sorry, but yeah. He's a very but chemical he person to talk to. I went out to dinner with him a couple of times. We didn't get into a climate uh, discussion. We talked about things we actually do agree. I, I thought he was I thought he was a little bit more libertarian than what he's indicating now. He's just a flat out socialist or communist, but that's probably because it's at the U Penn Center and there's uh, you know the restraints have been taken off of him. Look, everybody uh, there's a lot of stuff man has done that's very good. I read his stuff all the time. That's a problem. I read what the other guy says. They don't read what I say, right? So it's like, it, my, my attitude is, I already know what I know. I want to know what I don't know. And if this guy's got one thing that can help me, but you know, yeah. a, a Dr. Dan, like a lot of uh, research people, he comes to a conclusion based on, he, he diagnoses the situation, then comes to the wrong conclusion.